0: Hello and welcome to the Grace Filled Life podcast with Margot Martin. Today we are talking about those dark moments, specifically the ones in motherhood where we feel unseen, where we feel alone, where we feel the most depressed, because I have a big one that I want to share with you today. I have had a couple of dark moments in life and in motherhood, but this one takes the icing. <laughs> it was a really hard moment in my life. Last week, I posted a podcast about rest and how rest is something that we see as impossible as moms. Because if I had a a dear sweet friend point this out to me, and I thought this was so great. She said it in response to that podcast that, you know, as moms, we often think that resting is doing nothing. And that's just not realistic as moms, right? But we can find ways to rest (laughs) while still doing so I posted this picture in when I posted that podcast of me holding my four-week-old uh, Hazel. She's our fourth daughter, and this was four years ago, and it's a very raw picture of me where I'm sobbing, and I had so many of you reach out to me about that picture, and I it took me a long time to post that picture the first time because it felt so real and raw to me, and I have had so many people react to that picture and say, this hit a chord for me because we have all been there. We have all been in those moments where our tears just kept flowing and they wouldn't stop because the moment felt so dark. So today I'm going to share with you about this dark moment in motherhood. And I'm going to share with you kind of in detail about it because I think it's really important to understanding how we move through dark moments because we are all going to have them. I have, I've had, i had a couple. I, am, I have no doubt that I will walk through more dark moments in motherhood and in life up in these upcoming years of my life. But what I do know is that it has taken me four years to kind of wrap my head around this situation and how I can work through those dark times with grace and with hope. So I want to kind of share that with you today. And I'm really excited about this podcast because I think that in the last couple episodes, we've gotten to dig a little deeper into scripture and seeing how we can apply scripture to motherhood and the stories of scripture to motherhood. And we're going to do that today. And I'm so excited to share with you what I've been learning So we have four girls, and when we had our fourth daughter, Hazel, the girls were seven, five, and Jade was still pretty young. She was almost 22 months when this situation happened that I'm going to share with you. And Hazel, our fourth, was honestly the perfect birth situation. She was actually born on her due date, which is wild to me, and... She also, my water broke on its own in our kitchen, which was like a miracle to me because our, the older three had all had to be induced late. They just didn't want to come on their own. But her, she was born on her due date and everything seemed to be going well. Bringing her home, adjusting to four kids, it just was flowing wonderfully. The girls loved her, even Jade. It took a little while, but Jade was adjusting. She, you know, it's hard to not be the baby anymore of all babies. <laughs> um, but she she was adjusting and my husband got to stay home for 2 weeks, which side note, I don't think is enough. Moms need more support than that at home. But uh she wa- he was home for 2 weeks and then I remember after the day he had to go back to work it was going to be, it was two weeks after Hazel was born and it was my first day with all four by myself. And I was so <laughs> so proud of myself you guys because I got everybody dressed. I got all their stuff together. They were all on time to school. their hair was brushed, everybody was happy. So I took my first to school. She was in first grade. And then I took my second daughter down to preschool, which was 20 minutes from our house. And then Jade and Hazel were doing so great. And I felt great. So I was like, I'm going to go do a bunch of errands. So we were out all morning until we went to go pick up Olive from preschool and then bring her back home around, oh, I don't know. We'd been gone. We got home around noon. So we'd been gone at least for four to four and a half hours. So we pull into the garage and Olive unbuckled. And like she usually did, she would, you know, go inside before everybody else and I was unbuckling Jade and Hazel and all of a sudden Olive comes running back out to the car and she's like, Mommy, mommy, there's water everywhere. It's coming through the ceiling. And I was like, What? So of course I run inside and she's not kidding. We our first main level had, you know, a living room, a big open living room into the dining room and then the kitchen area. And upstairs above the kitchen was a bathroom and there was water pouring down through the lights. I was like, nobody touched the lights, pouring down through the light sockets. It was bubbling. There was just water all over the kitchen floor and I lost it. I told Olive to go get a bunch of towels. She brings down all the towels she could find. I'm sopping up piles, puddles, puddles of water. We didn't even have enough towels to get all of the water. I called my husband. I said, you have to come home. There's been a flood. And he's like, what? And because if you've listened to the podcast, you know that this is not the first like traumatic thing that's happened to us post-birth of a child. And both involved water, ironically. Um, But anyways, so he comes home and he was like, it can't be that bad. He walks in and he's like, oh, it was that bad. And so I'm sobbing. The postpartum tears just keep flowing. And it started a month or two of really dark times for me and we had to get these huge fans in and they were blowing up the carpet underneath the carpet and they had to take out part of the roof and replace not the roof the ceiling and replace it and they had to rip up carpet upstairs and the whole bathroom upstairs had to be redone what had happened was jade was upstairs the 20 she was 21 months at the time almost 22 she was upstairs we didn't even know that she could reach the sink The sink was partially clogged and so she, and we just hadn't taken care of it yet. And, um, she apparently turned on the sink and normally I would have gone upstairs to get her dressed and get all of her clothes, but I had had laundry on the couch downstairs that needed to be folded (laughs) real motherhood right there. And so I just pulled clothes off of the couch and put it on her that morning. Didn't even think to go upstairs and check because I didn't know she could reach the sink. So by the time we had gotten home four hours later, the clog was enough to just overflow everywhere. It could have been a lot worse, but it was pretty bad. And what happened was, you know, weeks and actually months of repairs that had to happen. And then when Hazel, so that was two weeks postpartum, about four weeks postpartum. This is when the picture was was taking place. I got really, really sick. I think it was because, I can't remember what it was called. I had something um, that I didn't have with the other girls where they had to give me antibiotics before Hazel was born. That was our only little hiccup, and I think it wiped out my gut and my immune system because I got sicker than I think I've ever been, and nursing was already hard for me. I'd never made enough milk, so I would try to make it to about two months with each kid and supplement along the way as well, and so I was sitting in the dark nursing her. I was so sick. with I felt like I just had blisters down my throat for weeks, and I was wearing a mask before it was even a thing to wear a mask. (laughs) And because I didn't want to get her sick and I was coughing so hard and every time I would cough, she would wake up and it was like the kind of coughing that's so deep that you can't keep it in. You know, it just comes out. And I remember sitting in the dark and I I felt like the enemy came at me so hard. I remember thinking specifically one night when I felt at my lowest where um, I felt like I just couldn't go on and it was, we were on like maybe week two to two and a half of this awful sickness of postpartum, not sleeping. Cause you're feeding a kid around the clock with taking care of other kids. Jade had gotten pink eye. We had the house repairs and just, the challenges of having four kids. And I remember thinking that, you know, that verse in the Bible, that talks about how the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I literally felt like he was trying to devour me in the darkness. And I, I wanted to share this with you very specifically because I am sure that you've had moments like that. Maybe it's in your marriage, your parenting, your singleness. Maybe... It's watching all of your friends flourishing in an area that you're not flourishing in. And I know I'm mostly speaking to moms here, so I'm going to share a story with you that has encouraged me so much the past few years. It's caught my attention. It's in the book of Genesis, and I've gotten to take a deep dive into it to see how God is so near to moms, all of us really, but to moms in dark times. I think it's so interesting that there are so many stories in the Bible involving God's nearness or his healing with moms and children. You should take you should check it out. Like Elijah and the widow, David and Absalom, Absalom, children being raised by Jesus or healed in the New Testament. It it is so obvious that God cares about our parenting journey. Don't ever let the enemy make you believe that he doesn't because he does. He loved us so much that he sent his son, which is a huge sacrifice, in in place of our sin so that we could live with him forever. That's how much he cares about us. So what I want to talk about today is the story of Hagar. And we are going to dig deep today. And I want you to hang in there with me through this because I think that there's a really important point to be made in the story of Hagar. And it's gonna take a little explaining, but when you connect it like I did, you're gonna you're gonna see how God cares for us in our dark moments. So just a little bit of a of a background. If you don't know about this story, Hagar was an Egyptian slave that belonged to Abram and Sarai. So this was before their names were changed to Abraham and Sarah. And she was most likely a slave acquired from their time in Egypt. You know, that one time when Abram claimed said, Hey Sarah, pretend you're my sister so we don't get in trouble for being here. <laughs> (laughs) And so it said that they left with a lot of possessions, and likely Hagar was one of those possessions. And God had promised Abram that he would be a father to many nations and that a child would come from his bloodline. But the problem was that Sarai was barren. She could not have children. And it's likely that Abram knew this before he took her to be his wife, which says something about his character. Like he he didn't care. His name would not be passed on through her, at least he thought at the time. But then God came to him and said, hey, you are going to have a child through your own bloodline. So, but they were old and the promises still hadn't come true. And Sarai doubted God's promises and tried to push God's plan to bring a child about by having Abram sleep with their servant, their Egyptian servant, her maidservant Hagar. So this was Sarah's, Sarah, I'm going to switch to Sarah just so it's easier. Sarah's idea. So Hagar, she gets pregnant from sleeping with Abraham and they think, oh, this is it. This is the child that's going to come through the line. But as Hagar gets pregnant, Sarah gets mad at her, mistreats her, gets frustrated with her, and things get so bad that Hagar runs away from Sarai. So what happens next is it says that she ran away, and the angel of the Lord found her. So God pursued her, an Egyptian slave, <laughs> to and he found her by a spring in the wilderness. And he said, Hagar, Slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And she says, I'm running away. And the angel says, You have conceived and you will have a son and you will name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard your cry of affliction. And then it talks about who Ishmael will be. And Sarah, Hagar's response is, she says, So she named the Lord who spoke to her, you are El Roy. For she said, in this place, I have actually seen the one who sees me. So God came to her and revealed himself to her as El Roy, the God who saw her. And he says, go back, go back to Sarai. I'm not done with you being there yet and i wonder if we have ever been in dark moments where we feel like we've been mistreated or a situation just isn't fair and god calls us to go back and stay there i'm not talking about safety stuff i'm just talking about uncomfortable situations where he calls us to go back and stay there for a time because he's not over with his plan for us in those seemingly dark moments yet because remember that she had been mistreated she was a slave she was not as important in the household as you know as with her status as a slave well, fast forward, this exact situation happens again, close to exact, where at this time the promise has been fulfilled. It, at 100 years old, Abraham and Sarah have a son and they name him Isaac. And when around the time that uh, he's probably a toddler and Ishmael is probably about 13 Sarah again gets upset with Hagar because she says she doesn't like the way that Ishmael is treating her son, Isaac. And so she says to Abraham, you send her away, send her away. I don't want her here. I don't like the way she's treating my son. And so Abraham, he got up, it says he took bread. We're now in Genesis chapter 21. And it says that he got up, took bread and a water skin and put them on Hagar's shoulders. And he sent her and the boy away. And the interesting part is that in the next verse, it says that she left and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. So if you know anything about Beersheba, which you probably don't because I didn't either, Beersheba was a desert. It was a wasteland. And they wandered around, likely studies say that they were lost in the wilderness. And what happens when you're in the desert and you're in the wilderness? You run out of what? Water or food and you become dehydrated, you hallucinate, and it can bring about death, right? When you don't have food and water. Well, it says in verse 15 of chapter 21, when the water in the skin was gone, she left the boy under one of the bushes and went and sat at a distance about a bow shot away for she said, I can't bear to watch the boy die. And while she sat at a distance, she wept loudly. First of all, I don't know many moms that would leave their kid to die by themselves. That part blows my mind. But I think there's a connection in that that we're not going to talk about today. But the point is, it says that she wept loudly. And then in verse 17, it says this. and This is the part I want you to catch, hold on to. It says, God heard the boy crying. And he obviously heard Hagar too. And the angel of the Lord called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what's wrong, Hagar? Don't be afraid, for God has heard the boy crying from the place where he is. From the place where he is. (laughs) Get up, help the boy up, grasp his hand, because I'm going to make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well. So she went and filled the water skin and gave the boy a drink. And Ishmael grew up and he survived. And um, that's kind of where we're going to stop with that story today. But the point of this is that she sets the boy, who was 13-ish, so he he was a, a big kid, right? Who was dying from dehydration, under a bush to die, and they both wept. And what happened? God heard the boy crying. So the first time in Genesis 15, God saw her as Elroy. He saw her. He was the God that sees her. And then he came to her again in another dark moment because I don't know about you, but probably I haven't lost a child, but I imagine that would be a dark moment if you see that moment coming and you have to live through it. And in that moment, he heard her and her son the second time. God is not aloof to our tears as parents. This was probably Hagar's darkest moment. This time it wasn't just her about to die and being pregnant. It was her son outside of her body that she'd risen, that she'd, that she'd watched grow up and she had all these dreams from him. It was her son and she was alone dying, watching her son dying. She was still a slave and wondering, I'm sure, did, did that God exist? Was that something that actually happened before? Did God care that this was more than she could bear? He did. And he does. God cares about your children's rebellion their pains their hurts their hearts he cares about the silent tears that that you cry after your child lashes out at you and uses their words to hurt the wounds that they don't even know exist in you god cares in your in your struggle to remain unified in your marriage for your children god cares about your sleepless nights he cares about that diagnosis that you try to bury under a smile while you parent every day he cares about the pain that you hide that still lingers from things that happened to you in your childhood He cares about the depression that sits underneath the surface while you try to be strong for those around you. God cares when you move to a different state and things are hard. God cares when you're postpartum. He cares. He sees you. He hears you. Do a search on Google about God being near in scripture, and you will see that there are so many instances in the Bible that show us that God is near. So in the next chapter, Abraham ends up being asked by God to sacrifice his son, but God comes near and calls Abraham by name and provides a ram instead. And that's another story I want to talk about at another time. Uh, But the thing that I want to leave you with is what do we do when our feelings overtake us in these dark times? Because I remember sitting in the dark thinking like my feelings were just out of control and my fear was spinning around me and I was struggling to figure out how to make it through this time. So there are three things that I want to encourage you to do. When you feel in the depths of darkness as a mom, I want to encourage you to do three things. Number one, remember that he is El Roy, the God who sees you. Remember this story uh, put it in your heart about Hagar's darkest moments. God saw her and her son in Genesis 16. And then again, he heard her and he heard the boys cries in Genesis 21. And he heard her. And this tells me that our God is an active God. He is not one who is far off. And that brings us to our next point. Point number two, pour in truth where your feelings are trying to take over. Pour in truth where your feelings are trying to take over, even when you don't believe it. In Mark, there's a man that comes to Jesus and says, help me in my unbelief. Help me believe. Pray that prayer. Lord, help me. I'm struggling to believe you right now that you are near. And then go to scripture. Do a search in Google for scriptures that will help you remember that God is always with you and his promises are yes and amen. Hebrews thirteen five says, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Psalm 34, this is a great one. If you're feeling alone, look up any verse in Psalm 34. But Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. James 4, 8 says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Psalm 46, says, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore we will not be afraid though the earth trembles the mountains topple into the depths of the sea we are dealing with postpartum depression no it doesn't say that in scripture but you get the point though its waters roar and foam the mountains quake with turmoil there's a promise there that God is our refuge and strength refuge and strength a helper who is always found so point number 3 the last point that I want to leave you with today is it is really important to find your community of people who are who will pray for you I, ha- I actually went back when I was preparing this podcast and looked back to try to find this text message thread that I sent out on a really dark night that day, that month of October 2019, and I sent it to three people who have been faithful in my life for the past 23 years, and I sent a text to them and I said, I no, I've known you all for so long and I really need your prayers. This is October 12th and I said I recognize this place and it's dark and I haven't felt this way for a long time. I need prayer for Hazel to sleep. I need prayer for me to heal. I'm dreading nighttime and things feel so dark and I and I just like poured it out to them. They all responded almost like almost immediately. This I actually messaged them when I'm looking back at this. It was at 9:20 at night and they all messaged immediately back prayers. They messaged back in um, one of my friends messaged me at 1130 at night and sent me a bunch of songs to listen to at night. And they all sent encouragement. And I'm telling you that those prayers held me up through such a dark time. So find your community that's going to pray for you. And if you don't have that, email me. Let me and my prayer team pray for you. You can email me at GraceFilledLifePodcast at gmail.com. And we will pray for you in those dark moments. So if you are in your dark time, Remember, God sees you. He hears you. He cares for you. And coming from someone who still remembers the depth of that dark time but's through it, I promise you that God will use those dark moments for you to share with others. And like I said, I share this knowing that I will most likely have dark moments ahead, but I know that I can look back and remember God's faithfulness and nearness in those dark moments four years ago. And my prayer for you is that you can kind of lean on this to remember those three things in the dark dark times. Remember he's Elroy and pour in truth when your feelings are unstable and also find your community of people who will pray for you. So if you're in that moment right now, I pray God's blessing over you, his hope, his joy, and know that this too will pass and that God is very, very near